Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. What are we watching today? Oh, you know how it be. The Wake Up America Show. What's up? take a second and say good morning and thank you so much to all the regulars who join us here bright and early 7 a.m central time on the wake up america show and we get this show started live listen i absolutely appreciate the people who download the audio version of the podcast and listen later so i'll give it up to you but ur's mommy quest fanning the onion dip the lovely nancy solorio glocas what's up glocas liberty shindig Eric Dondero, Kermode Bear. I mean, you guys get up bright and early. You join us here on the stream almost every day. We're friends, so keep it up. Thank you. I'm grateful. And I do work hard to keep you informed of what's happening in the world, bringing the absolute best guests and the best content. Today will be no different. The elites say the economy is doing great, right? So why is everybody complaining? Just take your economy like it is and like it. You'll like the inflation. You'll like the expensive broccoli. You'll like the expensive leg eggs. Legs. Who's paying for legs? Not chicken legs. Not those kind of legs. What's up, Mr. Embry? 001001. There was seven spies. There were. One, zero, zero, double, oh, one, double, oh, two, double, oh, three. We get to double, oh, seven. But Mr. Embry was 001. Glad to have you here, guys. We've got some awesome guests at 7.30 this morning. John Miltimore is going to talk to us about this article, Why Americans Are So Down on a Strong Economy. Many feel their long-term financial security is vulnerable to wide-ranging social and political threats. How well, dare you? No crap, Sherlock. Uh, we'll talk to John Miltimore, the managing or the editor-at-large of the Foundation for Economic Education this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. Talk a little bit about that. And at 8 a.m. this morning, rise of the AI girlfriends. Who wants an AI girlfriend? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the male loneliness crisis has reached epidemic proportions. More and more young men and women are even turning to the uh, Internet for artificial intelligence to fill the void that they can't fill with an actual living human being. Now, I see both sides of this, as I normally do. Ride the fence, AP, ride the fence. Uh, what I'm supposed to say to you is that this is the end of civilization. <laughs> Yesterday, the Apple headset guy who came on, that was not the end of the civilization. Even though they're telling us that was the end of the civilization, this is the end of civilization. Aha, the evil <laughs> overlords giving us uh, our AI girlfriends. This is the end of civilization. I picked this topic because you know it's the kind of topic that we can make Camellia blush. <laughs> Here's a question for the chat. Would you rather date Camellia or AI girlfriend? How dare you? Would you rather have AI girlfriend or Camellia? Or you know what? You could split the baby and... <laughs> You could have uh, an AI girlfriend based off Camellia. I think everybody would like that. AI Camellia. <laughs> uh, we could clone her. That would be fun. Um, nice to see all of our friends here this morning. Don't forget to click that like button. 100 watching. We just crossed the, the line. Yes. 101. Climbing and climbing. This is bright and early, too. Nice to see you here. We're going to speak to Camelia Peterson about the rise of AI girlfriends. That should be fun. 
at 8.30 a.m. Central. I can't wait to talk about Shane Gillis, the comedian. Have you seen his Netflix special? Absolutely hilarious. He was canceled by Saturday Night Live several years ago for making just some racist and homophobic and misogynist jokes. No big deal. No big deal. (laughs) I can't believe that in 2024, I have to explain to people that those are the funniest jokes that there are. I don't understand why people have got such a bug up, a tick up their butt. Uh, But arch gay guy uh, over on SNL is apparently pretty upset about it. Very butthurt, as gay guys tend to be. (laughs) Well, he's just the first time. Uh, because Shane Gillis is going to be hosting the show on Saturday Night Live. And so it's funny because the left is angry at Shane Gillis because he said some funny jokes several years ago and they canceled him for it. He was supposed to be a, a, an actual cast member, so they canceled him from that. Now he's being invited to host the show, Shane Gillis, because he's so damn funny and SNL is desperate, starved for attention and starved for actual comedians, people who can actually make jokes that people like that they've invited him onto the show this Saturday night. And Shane Gillis, if you haven't seen his Beautiful Dogs Netflix special, it is brilliant. Beautiful Dogs. He does his impression of uh, Donald Trump talking about uh, assassinating Abu al-Bakar al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS. Uh, (laughs) It's absolutely hilarious. So it's a good reason to actually watch Netflix uh, Shane Gillis's Netflix specials. So the hypocrisy, the the audacity of Saturday Night Live for inviting Shane Gillis back after they had canceled him and said he couldn't be a cast member just goes to show how desperate they are. But I think it's a good thing to show how we are winning the battle against cancel culture. Are we not? So we're going to have to uh, talk to Daniela Pensack about that. And, you know, we love Daniela. Daniela would be like a good, like if you've ever seen Daniela uh, Pensack, like her Instagram and stuff, she kind of looks like AI. So I, you could have like uh, an AI girlfriend and Daniela and Camelia. Those would both be good models for it, don't you think? But I contend that AI wifey, uh, Stephanie, Steffi bot model would be absolutely the best. So if you want an AI girlfriend, it's one thing. Daniela or Camelia would make good robot uh, girlfriends. But if you want AI wifey, then Steffi P for Liberty. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Steffi is here with us this morning. She's saying she's doing a little bit better. She's feeling better. We're glad to hear that. We've got a lot to talk about this morning. Let's hit the big news real quick. I heard this rumor that Ronna McDaniel was out at the Republican Party, but apparently that's not true. Republican National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel dispelled rumors that she is resigning from her position uh, in a memo sent to RNC members on Wednesday. So this is the news. The New York Times reported Tuesday that McDaniel told Trump that she plans to step down after the South Carolina Republican primary. She did the whole bait and switch, no, man. She got God. us. No, God, please, no. But no. Wednesday's memo no. tells members nothing no. has been decided yet and that McDaniel, McDaniel is still in her position as chairwoman, chairwoman of the party. Oh, no. This is a woman who keeps losing election after election after election, and, and she's still going to be in charge. This is what people, when they get a little bit of power, they will not let it go. Uh, so the memo says, with a news cycle full of palace intrigue and speculation surrounding all of us, 
I want to take the time to reassure all of you, I'm still hard at work as RNC chairwoman and building a machine that will lose Republican elections up and down the ballot in November. Okay, she didn't actually say that. She said that. <laughs> that will elect Republicans up and down the ballot in November. She says, myself and my staff are refusing to be distracted by the outside noise, and we remain committed to our mission. Rumors to the contrary are simply not true. Nothing has changed. There will not be any changes decided on until after South Carolina, when we may have our eventual nominee. Good God, this is, this is sad. Very sad. Uh, if you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, do me a favor, click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to hear your voice on the air, and you can be heard by sending us a text message anytime, night or day at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586 is the text line. You can text me anytime, night or day, anytime, night or day. So. If you want to have your voice heard, you can send us a text at that text line. We'd love to hear from you. Also, this week is Mythbusters Week. On the Wake Up America show, I have created bonus content for you and additional video content that you can unlock during the show within the next two hours during the program. If you would like to see my latest episode of Liberty Mythbusters, then today's episode is Busting Myths About the Great Depression. Yes. Viva la libertad carajo. Yes, you can unlock this content by the end of the show if we receive at least $50 in donations uh, through Rumble Rants. Now, I know some of you are not capable of making a Rumble Rant donation on your phone because Rumble hasn't updated that, for, that feature for you yet. However, you can do so and it still counts if you go to wakeupamericashow.com slash support, I'll type that in the chat, wakeupamericashow.com slash support. So you can make uh, a donation, any amount, $1, $5, $20, $50, and then you'll unlock the content. Today's episode of Mythbusters, one of my favorites, is debunking myths about the Great Depression. So if you would like to unlock that bonus content, get your Rumble rant sent in right now, uh, either at Rumble or at wakeupamericashow.com, and you can unlock the bonus content that's been really successful for us so far and it's been great so just behind the scenes sometimes i get a little down right you always think oh man is the show being successful enough are we really you know making enough money to keep this going but you know the wake up america show is probably within the top five percent of all podcasts and that's thanks to people like you right not only are you supporting the show by watching clicking like and subscribing and dropping comments uh but you've been making financial contributions you have been purchasing items from apforlibertyshop.com two people bought our brand new madisonian mornings coffee yesterday uh, our brand new uh flavor at founding flavors um that's been uh, exciting to see because i know once people try our new light roast coffee they're going to be absolutely addicted to it it's delicious five stars from me means absolutely perfect flavor. So if you haven't tried that yet, don't forget there is a coupon going on until Friday. So you can actually get a discount if you use the coupon code MADISON when you buy a box of Madisonian Mornings over at apforlibertyshop.com. We appreciate you very much. Um, AC Martinez II, does the show have a Zelle account? Yes, it does. And there's the number that you can send it to. Just dropped it in the chat. So there you go. Okay. Are we ready to roll? 395 people watching? Oh boy, better get to the news. 
So they say the economy is great. They say the economy has never been better. Well, the Wake Up America show begs to differ. Take a listen to this young lady, Generation Z, what she's doing out there trying to get a job. Look at this. This is the most humbled I've ever felt in my life. I'm literally holding resumes, a stack of them, so that I can go in person to places and say, are you guys hiring? <laughs> it's honestly a little bit embarrassing because I'm literally applying for like minimum wage jobs and some of them are being like, we're not hiring. And it's like, what? This is not what I expected. I graduated college with two degrees in communications and acting. Okay, well, as somebody who also graduated from college with a degree in acting, essentially musical theater, I could say it's not gonna help me get a job. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to poop all over this lady just yet. I don't want to poop all over her because you know a lot of people are in this situation. Thank you, B Bear XO, for the tip. We appreciate that. Forty-five dollars left to unlock today's episode of Liberty Mythbusters. Let's continue. What's up, Tony? We appreciate you, brother. How you doing? I speak three languages. Oh. Okay, she speaks three languages. Now that ought to be enough to get you in the door at a lot of places. Hell, if one of them is Spanish, they need you on the southern border stat. This sucks. Like, I, I just want to be a TikToker if I'm being so for real with you. But I can't be delusional anymore. Like, I literally need to make money. So, I'm just going to keep trying. Now, listen, I know it's popular to hate on the young people saying that they're lazy, but this girl is out there pounding the pavements. She's dropping off resumes door to door. She's doing absolutely what she should be doing, trying to get herself a job and not trying to live delusional. I'm going to give it up for this young lady. <laughs> Lohani Sant. Um, I don't know. I have no idea how to pronounce that. But she's out there. She's pounding the pavements. She's taking resumes, going to door to door. If she's if that's what's to be believed. Uh, you know, she's like made it mighty Megatron over the chat says there is always OF brother. <laughs> and she says she's not trying to be an influencer. And listen, somebody who like literally works in influencer marketing, right? I'm, I'm doing a show. I'm out there appealing to your better nature, trying to raise money during a podcast, you know, selling merch and products, right? Putting myself out there on a day to day basis, trying to grow a show. So, you know, I would be hypocrite to say, oh, don't do this. Don't try and be an influencer because uh, young people, when surveyed, I think it's like 52%, a slight majority of young people, this is what they want to do for a living, what I'm doing full time. They, they want to be not just only fans, right? They want to do stuff like producing content and, and being in marketing and they want to have a merchandise shop where they can actually sell their own coffee and do things like that. Honestly, I, I got to give it up for this young lady who is going out there trying to make it happen, pounding the pavement, doing it the old fashioned way, trying to take care of herself. And she's not lying to herself. That is, to me, I think, admirable. And just seeing that video, if I was her, not just because she's crying and I feel bad for her, but because she has that kind of a work ethic, I could see bringing her on at least for a part time job or somebody to show who somebody who shows that amount of chutzpah to put herself out there. I mean. Honestly, young people these days, if they had half that courage to do what she does, to actually show up in person, not just drop off a resume and LinkedIn and think that it's going to get her somewhere, I think that that is admirable. But admirable, what do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can text the show, as you can see down there at the text line, 573-319-1586. Eric Dondero in the chat says, best way to get a job is just to start working, even volunteering. Resumes are mierda. Okay. 
probably true. Not going to lie. The best jobs that I've gotten in my career are because are because of the work that I was doing for free. I know that this is uh, anathema to a generation of people who believe that nothing should ever be for free if it's work, like working for an employer for free, internships for free. No, we have to force these to be paid and things like that. I'll, I'll tell you, when I, the reason why I was able to work my, my way into politics and media is because most of the work that I was doing at the beginning of my, I guess, what you might call a career, um, was for free on behalf of people that I wanted to see succeed or that who's, who I had an interest in helping to support their mission. And I know a lot of people can't do that, but if you're a young person and you have extra time and you can volunteer at a workplace where you can do things and learn, then that might be a, a good idea for you to do. For those of you who don't know who I am, Austin Peterson, the way that I got my career started and eventually got to a place where I could credibly run for president, take second place in a, in a presidential primary and uh, take third place in a, a statewide U.S. Senate primary, very crowded U.S. Senate primary. Um, the, the way I was able to get to the place where I'm at now is I, was a, I started as a volunteer for Congressman Ron Paul in 2008. So as a volunteer, I didn't get paid, but I put in tons and tons of hours of work in order to try and advance Congressman Ron Paul's presidential aspirations in 2008. So uh, I feel as if most people today, like they don't think that they should have to work for free or take an internship that's unpaid. But that's probably a bad idea. Don't like, I know that there's laws that protect against it. But if I were you, I rarely I try not to advocate breaking laws while I'm on camera. But if there is a law preventing you from working for someone for free in your state, I would break that law. I would break that law because I know that if I can get close, like for here, let me ask you a question. Think about anybody in business who you respect. Who do you look up to? Who is someone that you admire? Maybe it's the CEO of Rumble.com. And I'm not just saying that because they just put me on the front page. What up? What up? How you doing? Thank you, Rumble.com. 1,021 people watching. Grateful to have you here. Please click like and subscribe. Um, but think of anybody in the world right now. E let me ask you something. If you could work maybe part-time or let's say five to 10 hours a week even for Elon Musk for free, would you do it? Of course you would. Not just because of the experience you get. Maybe you get to pick his brain. There are things that you learn about how he does business. You can see his schedule, how he operates. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, right, or if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be in business, if you want to be a tech titan, first of all, 99% of the time, you're going to beat everybody else in the job market just because you show up every day, right? If you show up on time every day trying to make it work, you're going to outcompete other people who don't right? If, if you are that person who is 99% of the time you are showing up, you're going to beat most people, okay? But ask yourself, would you work for free for someone that you admire if you believe that it would help you to advance? Look, ask yourself, would you work for Congressman Ron Paul for free for a few hours a week? But Senator Rand Paul, what if you could go to, to Washington, D.C. and spend a few hours a week shuffling papers in Congressman Thomas Massey's office? seeing what he's doing, right? May, or maybe let's say, like, let's, let's take an actual productive person who's not a congressman, right? No offense to Thomas Massey. <laughs> he is in government after all. But what if you could actually work for someone in business who's huge? I mean, name somebody. Who would you do it for, right? Liberty Shindig says he interned at the Independent Institute. Ah, I love those guys. 
He got to see Ron Paul speak at a college in the Bay Area. That was cool. See, there you go. Um, uh, and uh, Bruce Burtwistle, one of our new friends, says, I don't know what it's like in the States, but here in Canada, there's a huge demand for the trades, plumbers, electricians, framers. Yes, absolutely. Would be a great idea for you to get into a, a trade, learn a skill trade, if you want a guaranteed income, make good money, and never have to worry about work. Uh, where, what is Erd's mommy saying? She says, yeah, that's what she recommends. Go to trade schools. Uh, I do recommend it for some people. I don't recommend it for others. I will say the funny thing about the trade schools is this. You may be fine and dandy in your career. The sad thing for young men, and this is a social dynamic that we'll discuss with Camelia Peterson at 8 a.m. when we talk about the rise of AI girlfriends. Um, but the problem is, is that we there is still a stigma for men who are in the skilled trades. Yes, some women will be attracted to them because they just have money. But there is something, unfortunately, uh, uh, about that is a stigma that is placed on the heads of men who work these blue collar jobs. It does make it more difficult for them to get dates. It does make them more difficult to find a mate because we are um, we lift up in society men like because women are going and getting more advanced degrees. They t they want to have they want to date across or up. So they look down on blue collar men because they don't have the same education level as them. They think I want to date a man who is as educated as I am or more and makes more money than I do. And we're caught in this trap, which is why I think a lot of young men are seeking out AI girlfriends. And again, we are going to talk to Camelia Peterson about that at 8 a.m. Central Time. That's not fair. It's stupid. Uh, and a lot of women are going to be left uh, lonely because there is that stigma, but it still exists. We need to destigmatize that, right? We need to make it cool to be a plumber, to make it to at least acceptable. Um, you know, I will say that my wife, Stephanie, she is more educated than I am. She has got a master's degree. So in the educational sense, she's dating down. She's she married down, if you will. <laughs> They always say I'm dating out of my league, but there you go. Um, you can text the show today at 573-319-1586. Quest Fanning says, find a quality woman who isn't shallow. Very small pool of those these days, Quest, which is why they're seeking out AI girlfriends. Yes, but yes, my wife, she, I got a, a bachelor's degree. She got a master's degree, but you know what? Got her knocked up anyway. <laughs> Doesn't matter, had sex. <laughs> Welcome to the Wake Up America show. 1,318 people watching. Uh, thank you, Ron Ball. Thank you. Arigato gozaimasu. Domo arigato gozaimasu. Domo yao. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Without Rumble.com, where would we be? The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So I imagine for uh, probably a thousand of you, who, at least, who are watching me right now, you have no idea who the hell I am. I'm Austin Peterson. What's up? Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. We'd love to make your acquaintance and be your friend. Won't you be my neighbor? Click like on the channel and subscribe so that we can be friends. And that way you can find me easily tomorrow morning when you're scrolling through. The reason why you definitely need to come back tomorrow is because it's Freedom Family Friday. And that's when my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife, Stephanie, is going to be on the show. And she's always fun and funny. So you definitely want to come back tomorrow at the same time and see her little pregnant butt. We're going to have a baby soon. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. Yes. Most exciting 
part of getting your wife pregnant and getting a woman pregnant for the very first time that I know of is, uh, <laughs> is that you're like, you know, that you're, that your plumbing is working. So you're like, yes, like, oh my God, yes. I know that every, everything is functioning downstairs <laughs> and uh, everybody's excited. So, um, do me a favor, click that subscribe button. You hear what, what a goofball I am. Yeah. So it's a great way to start your day. The wake up America show. I like to think of this show as a show that you can turn on in the morning, have a cup of coffee, find out what's going on in the world, have a little bit of a laugh, a little bit uh, silly. You can play it while you're taking your kids to school because I very, very rarely curse. And when I do, it's a big deal because I'm usually on some kind of a liberty rant and your kid probably needs to hear the rant anyway uh, because I'm fighting for liberty and economic freedom and all that good stuff. So uh, we would appreciate your like and your subscribe. Stephanie says she will be on the show tomorrow, but she might have to bring a humidifier for her cough. Yes. Oh, poor Stephanie. She got down with the sickness, uh, but she will be joining us on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk to John Miltimore when I get back. Two shakes of a lamb's tail. Here's what happens. When I go away, I'm getting John Miltimore on the set, right? I'm going to have him on the show, right? But I need to disappear behind the curtain. While I'm doing that, why don't you visit my online store, ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Go shopping, talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. See, now that wasn't too long, was it? Welcome back to the Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson, glad and thankful to have you here. Thank you to Rumble.com for featuring us on the front page. Looking at you, Chris Pavlovsky and Siraj Hashmi and Michael Zakari. You guys, what have I done to deserve such kindness? We appreciate you. We try and produce the best ding-dang morning show there is this side of the Mississippi River. Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. And it is a great way to start your day to find out what's happening in the world. Stay up to date on all that's new in economic freedom and personal liberty. Those are the principles and the values that I stand for. What about you? America first, make America great again? Well, you're welcome here. What about all those libertarians voting third party? Well, you're welcome here too. I like to consider myself something more of a free thinker. I've always been something of a libertarian, but you know, libertarians tell me I'm not a real libertarian. So I'm, I don't know. Sometimes I listen to the libertarians and I'm like, boy, that sounds pretty damn dumb. And then I, whenever I listen to socialists, I'm like, that's definitely very stupid. <laughs> and then sometimes I listen to mainstream Republicans and I'm like, oh, that's not me. I'm a Mitt Romney, what, no. And then you'll hear something from like Marianne Williamson on the left, right? And you're like, yeah, no, no, not into that. There's only really one person lately that I've kind of been listening to and been like, you know what? I agree with pretty much every damn thing that person says. And that is Javier Malay of Argentina. Have you been listening to that guy down there? I feel like Javier Malay knows what's up, but we don't have uh, a third party here to testify. Can I get an amen in the chat? If we're Javier Malay fans, let's hear it. My smoking hot, redheaded libertarian wife, Stephanie, is going to be joining us tomorrow. She made this beautiful uh, Viva la Libertad Carajo uh, necklace uh, because she thought that people would like a little bit of jewelry in our, in our AP for Liberty shop. And somebody just bought one this morning. I was super excited to see. So we uh, we sold one this morning. You can get yours as well over at AP, the number four, if you're a big 
Javier Malay fan, we have a huge collection of Javier Malay merchandise. I think it's the best in the country at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, AP for Liberty Shop. And thank you to Quest Fanning. Just dropped $5 in the tip jar. So we are now $40 away from unlocking today's bonus content. If you're new to the show, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but the uh, Wake Up America show produces bonus content for each show. This week is Mythbusters is the theme. So Liberty Mythbusters is what I'm calling this segment. And today's bonus content is Myths of the Great Depression. So if you'd like to help unlock that content, make a donation today. And once we reach $50 in Rumble Rants, then you will unlock the bonus content today. So thank you very much for that. Coffee and a cigarette. It's not just a great movie, says The Onion Dip. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. What the hell? Um, and I'm not sure where John Miltimore is. Let me just... Uh, send him a little message over on Twitter. It looks like he's having a little bit of trouble getting here. Should be able to click on that link. Here's the link, John. I'm live and you're supposed to be live with me. All right, well, let's just get to the story anyway. So why Americans are so down on a strong economy, says the Wall Street Journal. You'll eat the porridge and you'll like it, proletariat. Uh, Clayton Wiles, this is the story of a trucker from North Carolina, he earns about 20% more than three years ago. Christine Funke, not Funke, a nurse in Ohio, she's won steady pay raises, built retirement savings, and owns her homes. Uh, Alfred, Alfredo Arguello, who opened a restaurant outside Nashville, uh, now owns a second one and employs, employs close to 50 people. This is the Wall Street Journal telling us this, right? Strong economy, ha ha ha, says Mighty Megatron. Exactly. Ha ha ha. Delinius over in the chat says this guy is dressed like one of those people in the bubble. Dude, there's there's no bubble anywhere that has anybody that is dressed as well as me. Look at my neon machine gun shirt. Is it not beautiful? Skulls, machine guns. It's beautiful. But ask any of these people about the state of the American economy and the same gloominess unsurf, uh, uh, surfaces. Unstable is how Arguello describes it said Funk, even though I'm okay right now, there's a sense it could all go away in a second. There's a striking disconnect between the widely shared pessimism among Americans and measures that show that the economy is actually robust. I love it when they say the economy is robust because they're going to give us these statistics and, and we'll debunk them in a second. Consumers are spending briskly. Okay, well, why are we spending briskly? It's because we have to spend to keep up. This is a behavior that the Wall Street Journal says suggests optimism. Okay, not necessarily. Might just be that we're trying to hold on to things. Inflation has tempered. Okay, yeah, official inflation numbers have tempered. But that doesn't include the cost of gas and groceries and the staples and the things that we buy every day, which is why the inflation numbers are almost always bull, right? Unemployment has been below 4% for 24 straight months, the longest stretch since the 1960s. Okay, yeah, unemployment has been has been down uh, for a stretch. Uh, and take a listen to this young lady that I was playing her clip earlier. This is the most humbled I've ever felt in my life. I'm literally holding resumes, a stack of them, so that I can go in person to places and say, are you guys hiring? <laughs> it's honestly a little bit embarrassing 
because I'm literally applying for like minimum wage jobs and some of them are being like we're not hiring and it's like what this is not what I expected I graduated Okay, so, you know, all this young lady needed to do was go to the Wall Street Journal and read this article that says, listen, unemployment has been below 4% for 24 straight months. This is the longest stretch since the 1960s, right? (laughs) There you go. So the disconnect has puzzled economists, investors, and business owners. So the elite, the elite... And the elite, They're, the people who are doing well in this economy are, are puzzled that normal people are so concerned about the future of the economy. Why could this be? <laughs> Americans feel sour about the economy, many say, because their long-term financial security feels fragile and vulnerable to wide-ranging social and political threats. Gee, you think? Gee, like, I wonder what those threats could be. Well, let's see if the Wall Street Journal actually identifies them here. So, um, you know, one of them is because, you know, a reliable step up the ladder. It used to be that you could get a college degree like that young lady. She was getting ready to talk about her communications and acting degree. Well, listen, I mean, just having a degree, it used to be. And when I first got into the job market uh, back in 2004, 2005, it used to be that just having a college degree was enough for employers to look at and say, okay, you've got a college degree that shows that you can learn, that shows that you can work, it shows that you can see something through uh, to the end and, you know, graduate and, you know, come out ahead. Okay, that's not reliable anymore. If people don't look at that the same way, employers do not look at a college degree and say, oh, okay, well, you've got a college degree. And now I think employers are probably more willing to look at your degree and say, oh, you've got a degree in acting. Oh, well, that actually is going to work against you at this point in time. So I don't think that that uh, the Wall Street Journal understands these business owners these economists or investors, they don't understand what it's like to be somebody who's in the position like somebody like myself. I think that if I were to go out into the job market and try and get a normal job, I would probably have a hard time, not just because of my history of social media and, you know, (laughs) things that I've said on radio and in television and things like that, but that definitely would be part of it. But because what's, what are the skills that really matter to an employer these days? If you're going to hire somebody and take on the risk, somebody that you hire, and listen, uh, somebody who's hired people before, you have to, an employee has to, has to earn you three times what they cost. Why? Let's say that, they, that, that you have to pay an employee $50,000 a year. Well, you're going to pay another $50,000 a year in taxes you know, the FICA, the payroll taxes, right? There's going to be, you know, all kinds of of costs and charges. Uh, A payroll, you're going to have to pay, you know, probably for an accountant or a payroll service unless you do your books on your own, which, you know, I don't necessarily recommend, honestly, because if you make a mistake, the IRS come after your ass. So an employee costs you $50,000 for their salary, $50,000 for the benefits and for for the costs and charges associated with that employment. And then another $50,000 should be, well, hey, your profit, right? Because you need to be able to make a, a, a profit on the employee. So in theory, an employee who costs 50, who, who gets a $50,000 salary has a $50,000 um, cost associated with them 
then you want to make $50,000 worth of profit on them, that employee needs to generate $150,000 worth of value. So put yourself in an investor's uh, seat, put yourself in a business owner's seat, ask yourself this. I mean, are you able to hire somebody that you think you can reliably say, if you're going to pay them $50,000 a year, are, are they, are they going to be able to bring $150,000 worth of value? That's why people, if this young woman has this degree, this acting and uh, uh, communications degree, right? I, I understand why it's difficult for her to get jobs. It used to be you could have a communications and acting degree, go and get a sales job at a computer company like I did and make a living. And in 2006, 2006 or seven, when I was working, that's what I did. I went and I got a job in sales at a computer company. And they looked at my resume and saw, oh, college degree, great. They don't do that anymore. Hiring, and it's like, what? This is not what I expected. I graduated college with two degrees in communications and acting. I speak three languages. Oh, this sucks. Like, I, I just want to be a TikToker if I'm being so for real with you. Yeah, no. But no, most of the people in that uh, in that age bracket, they do want to be TikTokers, not just a TikToker, because you can't just make money on social media directly. It's not about that. It's about the brand deals uh, on the back, which if anybody wants to offer me a brand deal, love to have it. Two, um, you need to have a merchandise shop. And three, you need to be also having other side hustles because it's not enough. I have like 17 different revenue sources, revenue streams in order to make this work. Uh, it's not just being a TikToker and then blowing up. You got to be a hustler. You got to have an entrepreneurial spirit. Now, Guokas says, cut it out, Austin corporations don't pay taxes. Um, yeah, well, do you own a corporation, dude? Because I do, and I absolutely pay taxes. <laughs> West Fanning says he's seen the books. It's about a million dollars per employee for his company. Yeah, if you live in New York City, that's what it is. Kim McCurry says, this is why accountants will be get uh, obsolete when AI gets better. We're only necessary because people don't want to do their own math. Very true. Urs Mommy, she says that I would have advised more STEM, but with them flooding the country, we've got more systematic problems. Um, just an FYI, and I don't know if it's John's uh, computer or something like that, but the reason why John Miltimore isn't on today, I've sent him several invites. Uh, it appears as if he's having technical difficulties, so I'm not sure what's going on there. but. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have him on again back uh, next Monday for his regular uh, Mondays with Miltimore. But anyways, uh, we are going to have Camelia Peterson joining us live here in about 15 minutes to talk about AI girlfriends. Get yourself an AI girlfriend. And we're going to have Daniela Pensack at 8.30 a.m. Central to talk about Saturday Night Live bringing back Shane Gillis after canceling him for that. Um, I do want to talk about Tucker Carlson here for a minute. Did you guys see what... Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton was saying about him. Take a listen to this. I mean, he's like a puppy dog. You know, he somehow has, after having been fired from so many outlets in the United States, he, uh, I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with outlet because he is a useful idiot. He says things that are not true. He parrots Vladimir Putin's uh, pack of lies about Ukraine. Uh, so I don't, see why Putin wouldn't give him an interview, because through him, he can, you know, continue to lie about what his, you know, objectives are in Ukraine. And, and pause for just a moment. I got to clarify point of point of interest, point of information is what they call that. Uh, Guokas0422 
was being sarcastic when he said corporations don't pay taxes. Thank you, Glocus. It's hard to tell. It's hard to know. So yeah, so please don't blame blame me for for misunderstanding. I thought you were being serious. It's you can't. There's no so you should didn't use the sarcasm font in that. And uh, you know what he expects to see happen. It's really quite sad that not just somebody like Tucker Carlson who has, as I said, been fired so many times because he seems unable to, you know, correlate his uh, reporting with the truth, um, but also because. He it's a sign that there are people in this country right now who are like a fifth column for Vladimir Putin. And why? I don't know. I mean, why are certain Republicans throwing their lot in? Why are, you know, other Americans basically believing uh, Putin? Why did... Does she have a point is the question. Laura Witzke, Putin... Let's see. Yes, is uh, let's let's take a listen here's to this. The, here's the deal, also. This is know. Republican uh, Senate candidate from Delaware, Lauren Whiskey. Here's the deal, also. You know, Russia is uh, a Christian nationalist nation. They're actually Orthodox Christian. I'm mm. Russian Orthodox, so you know, I actually support Putin's right to protect his people and always put his people first, but also protect their Christian values. I identify more with Russian, uh, with Putin's Christian values, than I do with Joe Biden. Uh, so, you know, like there is that, you know, that there there is that there. And, you know, Christian nationalist countries also are a threat to the global uh, regime, like the Luciferian regime. It wants to mash everything together. But Putin takes care of his people. He looks out for his people. I watched as he deported, like they literally walked them through the streets, the criminal illegals who were coming into their country. Yeah. They walked them out and they escorted them out and they said, get out. You know, I can respect that. I can respect that. And I can respect the fact that uh, Putin does everything he can to protect uh, his people. Jesus Christ. Okay. So what, what? Where am I at? If I don't, if I don't support Vladimir Putin, if I don't support idiots like this, if I don't support idiots like that, if I don't support Hillary Clinton, you know what? I'm with Shane Gillis. You know what? I support Shane Gillis. The gayer the army, the scarier. Forever, dude. Throughout history, think of any army throughout history. Imagine them gay. Gay Nazis? <laughs> Just when you thought those guys couldn't look any sharper, they could <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, there you go. Uh, dirty, di uh, dirty, dirty Mike. I thought it said dirty dyke Mike. Sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> You're not a dyke. He says, I don't trust Putin or the administration, but the only one that affects my life is this administration. I don't care what Putin does. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, foreign powers do commit acts of espionage in the United States that do affect you. And if you think that, uh, that I'm making that up, you should actually look at what China does to American infrastructure um, because they are frequently hacking into American infrastructure. So you know what's funny is that a lot of traffic jams in major American cities uh, are caused by foreign intelligence operations. So one of the things that the communist Chinese love to do is to hack into our infrastructure grid and to mess with traffic lights here in the United States because they know that as silly as that sounds, that is a way to actually help to disrupt the American economy by making people late for work by slowing down traffic, by causing accidents, they, you can actually get people killed. It doesn't feel like 
what foreign intelligence operations doing are affecting you directly because it's a lot harder to see their impact and it's a lot easier to see the negative impact of the socialists that are here in the United States, the Biden administration and what our Congress people are doing to go over our lives entirely here. You can see that impact, but don't fall for this dumb blonde bimbo Lauren Witzke's line that Putin is just doing what he can to protect his people. Try, do you think that the Wake Up America show could talk like this in Moscow? Do you think that if I do you think that there is a libertarian talk show in Moscow that talks like this, that could have these kinds of conversations that could say, uh, I despise Hillary Clinton and Vladimir Putin, right? Like uh, how many you know how many world leaders there are right now that I can say that represent my ideals? One, Javier Malay. <laughs> Yeah, and if you think uh, Vladimir Putin isn't a stone-cold killer, I invite you to look into the history of the reporter Anna Politskovaya, who got shot in the face. Who was the reporter that got poisoned by polonium, where they took the radioactive stuff and put it in his tea? Somebody else, they had like um, some poison dart in the tip of an umbrella, and then they jammed it into the side of his leg and things like that. To say Putin is like somehow like, you know, not worse than Joe Biden is to completely ignore the history of repression and the fact that he was a member of the KGB, you know, dedicated to the destruction of the United States. He wants uh, Russian greatness, and that would come at the expense of the United States. It's not to say that we should go to war with Putin. It's not to say that we should be supporting Ukraine. But I don't have to jump on board the horseshit from every insane minority here in the United States that wants attention and clicks and views. I don't have to jump this. What I like to call it, you know what we're going to call, we're starting a new movement here in the United States. It's called Sanertarianism. Who's on board? We're libertarians. We believe in limited government. We believe in economic freedom, but we don't agree with Vladimir Putin. We don't agree with Hillary Clinton. We don't like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Um, Sometimes we like Trump when he does libertarian things and we'll probably vote for him. We're called the Sanertarianism. We're called Sanertarians. I think it's kind of a stupid name. <laughs> Logitarianism? What do you think? Come on, give me a give me a name for this movement where we basically only like Javier Malay of Argentina and that's it. How's that? Uh, let's not mention how many Clinton workers have died. A, that is a good question, but, uh, you know, the, of course, it's, uh, it's quite possible that they had people killed. The Whitewater scandal was an interesting one. Seth Rich, I don't, I don't buy into that conspiracy theory as much. I think that he was probably, um, he was probably not assassinated. I like the, I do like the conspiracy theory surrounding Seth Rich, though, because it was said the first one that came out was that he, his car got hacked into and they forced him to drive off of the road. But anyways. Sanitarianism. Why don't we call it that? No step on snakey says Lalberts. Yes. <laughs> Corian Cali is channeling his inner Tarzan. That's not very sanitary. Um, Jay Berenson says Putin doesn't protect his people that disagree with them. A WTF girl. Exactly. Quest Fanning says not everything has to be a zero sum game. Our downfall would simply mean less wealth in the world. Americans are creators, not hoarders. Yes, completely. There is a phrase called getting getting Clinton. Yes. Oh, here's Somniferum. He might have the name. Uh, Afueranistas. That's a good one.
Uh, WTF is the truth, really. First time we've seen you here. Welcome to the show. He says the war would not have ever happened with the U.S. and the British had just stayed out of the negotiations and the U.N. left Ukraine alone. Probably true. And honestly, I do think that if Donald Trump was still the president of the United States, that the war in Ukraine probably wouldn't have happened. I think that yeah, when people do not fear you, they will walk all over you. That's just the reality. Uh, it's, it reminds me of that old statement. It's better to be feared than to be loved because love is a fickle emotion and people who love you one day will turn on you and hate you the next. But people who are afraid of you know not to mess with you, not, know not to cross you. Donald Trump was perfect about making sure that the uh, enemies of the United States were afraid of us. He didn't go out and start a bunch of wars, but when he had the opportunity to assassinate the leader of ISIS, he took the shot, right? He went out and took the shot, and you got to give him credit for that. When it came to uh, foreign policy, I think Donald Trump would have protected us from getting involved in another conflict in Ukraine. Now the question remains is would Donald Trump continue to fund Ukraine? And honestly, sadly, I think that he would. Oh no, God! If no, you don't want to hear God, that, don't shoot the no, messenger, okay? No, I'm no. gonna tell you the truth no matter how bad it hurts, okay? Just call me three dog. Ow! Telling you the truth, no matter how bad it hurts. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. Almost 2,000 people watching live. Fist pump, fist pump. It's insane to see this many people watching the Wake Up America show. This show uh, is started in, uh, almost, guys, a year and a half ago in September of 2022. Yes, I think September of 2022. And we've been streaming live ever since, five days a week. The show streams live Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're a Fueranistas, uh, right? Uh, sane libertarians, right? Some people call us lulberts. That's funny. Um, but if you like to get uh, your news in the morning, not from a biased source like the mainstream media that you know is going to lie to you, uh, uh, then you definitely want to come back and join us here. So what I am imploring upon you to do right now is to click that subscribe button. 1,930 of you right now joining us live. I'd love to earn your subscribe to the channel. It's totally free. Click the subscribe button. Come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We've got, what, 38 people who have liked the stream. So let's see if we can get a few more likes right now as well. Dirty, dirty Mike. I keep almost wanting to call you Dirty Dyke Mike. Sorry, uh, Dirty Mike. Says the pro that is the problem with uh, many libertarians. They go hard, so hard towards the anti-war side that their naive ideas would only work in a perfect world. You know what? You're right. You know what? You're right, Dirty, Dirty Mike. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think that too many libertarians dwell in a fantasy world when it comes to foreign policy, and they probably need to take a lesson again from Javier Malay. And they need to read the people. The, I see so many libertarians who demonize Henry Kissinger who haven't read a damn thing that he's ever said. They just, they, the, too many libertarians have bought into communist foreign policy. Uh, and the reason why is just because we've had Marxists who have infiltrated the libertarian movement and who have spread their uh, communist uh, ideology in the form of their foreign policy. And a bunch of libertarians think that that's the God's honest truth. And because foreign policy is so complicated, they have outsourced their thinking on foreign policy to literal Marxists. It's a long story. Don't have time to go get into it just now. It's time for us to talk about AI girlfriends. Yes. Well, 
My wife is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. And you can't make a baby with an artificial intelligence girlfriend. AI girlfriends are the latest fad. More and more young men who can't get a girlfriend are just turning to AI to get a girlfriend. Would you get an AI girlfriend if she looked like Daniela Pensack or Camelia Peterson? Well, Camelia Peterson, well, I'll bet you would. Nancy Solorio dropped $10 in the tip jar. Thank you, Nancy. 20 more dollars, I think, is it? I think, yeah, I believe it's like maybe 20 more dollars and then you unlock the bonus content for today. You don't want to miss that. Today I'm debunking myths of the Great Depression. If you want to unlock that bonus content, make a donation like Nancy Solorio just did. 20 more dollars and we will unlock that content. Okay, I'm going to go get Camellia. I'm going to talk about more and more young men. They say, no more dating. Tired of these real females turning me down, being, you know, skank biatches. And I am going to get me an AI girlfriend. It's more common than you think. One man even committed suicide when his AI girlfriend broke up with him. Talk about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson, and you're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. What a blessing to be featured on the front page of rumble.com. And I do not take it lightly. Thank you. To the 1,951 of you joining us now, including Dirty Dirty Mike, not to be confused with Dirty Dyke Mike, he's saying, I have this show on one of my screens in my office. I have a Teams meeting at 9.15. Should I mute or pause? Can't decide. Dirty Dyke Mike, I think you have to pause the Teams meeting and you've got to hang out here with us. Am I right? you got to stay right here. Where else are you going to get these kinds of shout outs? Click like and subscribe to this show if you've been enjoying the content so far. If you want to come back and join us, we got a regular schedule. It's really easy to remember, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. If you're on the East Coast, that's an hour later. If you're on the West Coast, damn, it's early out there. <laughs> but we'd love it if you join us anyway. 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, two hours, great way to start the day. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us here on the regs tomorrow morning is Freedom Family Friday. My lovely wife, my awesome brother, joins us for Freedom Family Friday, and we always have a lot of fun, so I hope you'll come back and join us again tomorrow. Okay, if you had a, uh, a problem finding a girl in the modern age, you're not alone. More and more young men are not able to get themselves some girlfriends. So joining us now, I have programmed a bot that looks and sounds exactly like Camelia Peterson, but it's not Camelia. Joining us now live is your new AI girlfriend, Camelia Peterson. She will satisfy all of your heart's desires. Good morning, Camelia. How are you today? Good morning, and how could I please you today? <laughs> <laughs> CJ, we're so glad to have you here. Um, AI girlfriends, the rise of the robots. I mean, yeah. we all could have we all could have seen this coming, right? Right. You know, we, we're increasingly we live in a pretend world, right? This is this is because my choice. So I get this AI boyfriend. Like we're like we're talking about AI girlfriends. What are the AI boyfriends? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have those too. There are a lot of lonely young women who are. Uh, I don't know if you uh, read some of those articles that I dropped for you, but yes. there are a lot of young women who are looking for boyfriends like this. For sure. And, you know, I was reminded of C.S. Lewis and how he talked about 
you know, fairy tales are not just for children. And so I wore my shirt today that says I'm never too old for fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure if this kind of fairy tale is what he had in mind. <laughs> so, but there's a high demand for this, isn't there? There is. And, and so OpenAI has this chat GPT store. And I think, you know, with these stores, it's supposed to be against the rules to have uh, chat boyfriends, girlfriends, um, or AI boyfriends, girlfriends, but they're in there anyway. And I don't think they're going to be able to, to, to keep an eye on it in order to be able to take them out because they've been there for a little while and I just can't regulate it. So, so yeah, we have AI girlfriends, uh, AI boyfriends. And you know, what struck me as curious about this, because especially if we're talking, this is just a virtual thing. When we talk about the red pill community and male-female relationships and the masculinity movement, what gets brought up a lot of times is the difference between men and women and that women are wanting that emotional connection and men are more focused on the physical connection. So what is it that draws men to AI girlfriends, right? So I don't know if that is completely accurate, but there is something that is drawing these guys to AI girlfriends. I don't know. It's not, it is just, I guess maybe it's like, I guess maybe it's like phone sex. And that's been a thing for a long time. Well, so I mean, no yeah, difference. it is. I mean, there, there definitely is like that desire for a physical connection. Right. And, you know, we, we kind of demonize sexuality in men to an extent in society. Not that we don't demonize women's as well. But like men are supposed to repress their emotions and their desires, right? And, right. and, and to, to keep them suppressed. So in this way, I mean, there's this huge pent up demand that exists uh, amongst the part on the part of males who do not have a partner that if it can be satisfied, it will be satisfied. Think about incels, for example. I mean, the the definition of incel is a person who is in it, and not only are they involuntary celibate, but they also think that they deserve someone to be a partner. And if an option like this exists, they're going to take advantage of it. And not only are they going to take advantage of it, but in a way, they're going to be taken advantage of. I mean, it, we always get criticized as, you know, sort of free market fundamentalists that we are that capitalism and markets take advantage of lonely losers or idiots or that they that there are negative consequences to the, you know a a completely moralist society that is complete that is only governed by the laws of supply and demand there does have to be some sort of a societal regulator to some extent i think to things like this because this is i would say that this is definitely unhealthy would you agree or not I do think it's unhealthy. I think it further isolates people. This reminded me uh, when I was reading through these last night of the segment that you had with Alex Finn, Finn, right? Um, yesterday, where he talked about how people would use this Apple Pro Vision, as that it, and that there are people who will use it in the wrong ways and they will destroy their lives with it. And there are definitely differences in people who can self-regulate and they have that internal locus of control. Um, and then there are people who who don't. And for whatever reason, I think that there is a certain nature versus nurture component to that. And there definitely are people who are more prone to addiction. And it doesn't matter what the 
what the addiction is, they are just more prone to be addicted to things, whether it's sugar, whether it's, you know, something visual, whether it's, you know, drugs, it doesn't matter what it is. So this is, yeah, I think this can have huge negative impact. As I was thinking about this, one of the things that, of course, I have two girls. So this is at the front of my mind. It's like, how do we, how do we deal with our kids with this issue? Because if this is something that is really, you know, going to be big. I mean, once these things hit the market, they take off fast. And all of a sudden, like they're normalized in a very short amount of time. So I think that parents definitely need to think about how you're going to deal with your kids on this issue as well, because there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of lonely kids out there. Look at the issue we've had with how many, the, the spike in girls who have said that they are trans. And it's not because they're actually trans. It's because they're dealing with loneliness and insecurity and self-esteem issues. And we are not dealing with that well. So, and, you know, there's legislation all over the place right now that's talking about whether or not we're going to restrict, you know, internet access for minors or children under 16. Um, so this is, I, I think as we adapt to a digital future, these are issues that we are going to have to wrestle with and how do we balance safety and liberty? Um, and I think when it comes down to it, you know, especially when we're talking about kids, parents have an even bigger responsibility overall um, in order to not just oversee what the, the content that their children are consuming and what they're getting into, but also in preparing them for the, like taking everything away. I'm sorry, parents. I see a lot of traditional conservative parents online right now talking about you take things away from kids and you don't allow them access. And that's not the answer. The answer is that you prepare them for that, for that path that they're going to have to go on. So anyway, <laughs> that's my parent rant, but oh, it's, it's good. I mean, listen, Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. We we don't want our sons to have AI girlfriends, right? I don't, I don't want my my daughters to have AI boyfriends. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree with you, Camelia. And you know, now that I'm on the verge of fatherhood, I think about you know the difference in dynamics of how to raise a girl versus a boy, and I think about you know the challenges of raising a girl in a situation where you know she can be easily exploited online you know, by predators, by, you know, even boys her own age. And it it's a completely different situation when you're a father of a girl versus a father of a boy. So I have honestly been wargaming these scenarios in my head and having Stephanie and I have already been having the difficult conversations about discipline. Um, mm. and, you know, because when you're watching a lot of these videos online, you see these young women who are, you know, doing OnlyFans and they're out there, they're not respecting themselves, they're not respecting the men in their lives. And, and I ask myself this question, and I don't know the answer to this yet. I'm still like, I'm researching Fast and Furious for if I have a girl, what I have to do in order to keep my my daughter off of the stripper pole, right? It's, it's kind of an old Chris Rock joke where he says, your job as a father is to keep your daughter off the pole. If your daughter becomes a stripper, you have failed as a father. And so, now I'm sitting here asking myself, you know, and it's still, you know, a few more weeks away until we find out the gender. If it's a boy, honestly, I'm going to be so relieved. Like, I don't I, because I can't imagine like what it must take to do as a father to instill in your daughter that sense of self-worth and self-respect and maybe even a sense of like a healthy sense of fear of of your father, not of like physical fear, but of the fear of disappointing your father in that sense. I mean. 
how do you do that? Right. And it, it's different. The thing is, is like, no offense. I don't know if you have it would have a good answer for that just because you're not a man. And, and it's difficult for women to understand the position that a father is in, in regards to how to discipline a daughter, I would imagine, because you can't, like, there's this innate desire that we have as men to protect women. And right. like, I already feel it starting, like, while Stephanie, the baby is growing in Stephanie's stomach within me, like, I feel like a, this growth of like, dad, Austin. Right. I've, I've, I'm going, good. Yeah, I'm the women are no longer going to call me daddy and I'm becoming an actual dad, a real a father, not my daddy. He's my father. Um, but, and in me, I feel this, this conflict where, where it's like, how do I discipline a, a, the, a woman who I want to grow up to be a good woman and to not be exploited online, not to be exploited by other men in her life and to work to want to work to make me proud I don't know that I, I have no good answers for that. Maybe there are men out there who have, and I know that there are men out there who have accomplished that, but I don't know if there's any books you could recommend. <laughs> Anybody well, out there? Here's what I would say. There are probably a lot, there are lots of books you can recommend. There are lots of things that you can read, listen to. Uh, Nick Freitas, by the way, has daughters. And I think that he is an excellent one for offering up some, I've heard him offer some very good advice on raising girls. Uh, so just there's there's something for you. Um, but also it is so different for every child. And I think every, all every daughter wants, um, you know, I've been a daughter. I have daughters. So I see the impact of this is they want their dad to be present and they need their dad to be able to say no. Like, I can't tell you that the, the older my girls have gotten, how important I've come to realize that is. And it doesn't mean that you say no in a mean way or anything like that. It's just that you, you're you not afraid to, to set boundaries and say, no, this is not a good idea. No, I'm not going to do this. Like, they need to hear that. That's important. Um, and also, they need to, like, so many people on the, the traditional conservative right, you know, for them, discipline equates a very... Um, hard-nosed authoritarianism that squashes, you know, uh, individual thought and critical thinking and, and that individualism in the sense of So it's a fine line. And I actually have no doubt that you will be able to walk this line, <laughs> just given what I know about you already. But um, it is a fine line to do that without, you know, just absolutely beating them into the ground too, because you don't want to do that. You don't want to be a pushover. So I think, you know, it's a balance like everything else. And you you definitely will uh, adjust your approach um, from child to child because every child totally, is different. But here's the question, because when I was growing up, my, my parents didn't know what the dangers of the internet were. And I can imagine there's probably, there are probably a lot of people out there who were like me. I mean, if I, there had been an AI girlfriend, that probably wouldn't have been something that I was into, but certainly the other darker corners of the internet, I was all over it as a kid because it was new, it was, it was exciting, but it was dangerous. and. Uh, how do you police that as a parent when you've got kids who have access to more dangerous material and content, things like AI boyfriends and girlfriends? How do you police something like that? How do you tell your daughter, like, don't have an AI boyfriend? Like, okay, boomer, you know, I mean, like, how do you do so? How do you regulate that as a parent? Well, I think open conversation, first of all. And second of all, when your kids are younger, obviously there is a time for restriction, right? Um, there's always a time for restriction. And you have to gauge how you slowly release the reins on that as they get older and based on their individual maturity. 
um, and responsibility. But yes, when they're younger, you don't allow them, you know, free access to anything with the internet. And of course, you know, the more these things come out, the more tools people create to, um, to for parents to monitor these things. And I don't, when I say that the, the way for traditional conservatives to regulate this with their children is not to just restrict everything, that doesn't mean I don't think you shouldn't restrict at all. You obviously should restrict because children are not they're not able to self-regulate, you know, up to a certain point. I mean, heck, you know, a lot, a lot of adults can't self-regulate. <laughs> but the point is, is that we are teaching them, you know, if we're doing our jobs as parents, we are teaching them to self-regulate. And this is, it's, sometimes it's a crapshoot. I hate to say that, but nature, nurture, like you do the best you can and you hope that it's enough and then it's kind of out of your hands and they, they have to eventually be adults and, uh, you know, make those decisions for themselves. But it is, you know, it's, it's important. And I think if a parent is consistent and present and intentional in their children's lives, um, that value goes so far beyond anything else. And I think that they will be well equipped to deal with these things. That's tough, Camelia. I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, and, and I'll probably be uh, seeking your advice more often is in the coming uh, years. And I appreciate your friendship and and, uh, and and just just the ability to to see beyond like the noise on this one. Hi, I, I like to say when I describe um, you to my friends, I always say Camelia is one of those people who has a very high um, signal to noise ratio that like what you get from camellia is very little fluff and lots of like good solid content like when we have long conversations in the evenings whenever you crash like we almost are always talking about something of substance and very little like like fluff so we appreciate that and you bring that to the show and thank you for that well i would tell you one of the things is i'm looking through all of these these ai chatbot you know girlfriends boyfriends it is when we mentioned before that it will uh, it will exploit people intentionally or not who are already vulnerable to these things, one of the the examples given um, was a man who killed himself over uh, over a chatbot. And but the thing is, when they described him, they described him as already um, having issues. Like he was pessimistic. They described him as eco anxious, you know, because he was worried about the environment. And so he already had, he already had some mental health issues going on because those issues were already so heightened and, and taking over his life that it was a problem. So when he latched onto this chatbot and he had a wife, right? So he had a wife. So there, there's lots of, of mental health issues there already. So I think that these people are going to be, uh, susceptible to these technologies. And I don't know. I mean, maybe this is maybe this is the advanced version of natural selection. <laughs> there you go. It's the technological our, version of it, right? We've added the digital in our process to of it. adaptation, right? I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it, it is kind of the true survival of the fittest. And that's like, you know, we do have to adapt and learn how to to survive. And as Alex was talking about these, you know, as our productivity is 10x, you know, 100 times, you know, by all of these technologies, that frees up more time. If our time is, is freed up from just spending it on, you know, basic, you know, drudgery work, like, what do we do with that? You know, where do we expend our creative energy? Because we are like innately creative beings. And so, 
work in some way is necessary for us. It's just a matter of what that looks like. Um, but it really speaks to, I think, something that we've talked about a lot in the loneliness epidemic. And sure. we talk about the loneliness epidemic, you know, in the context of men. But I think you see this with women a lot, too. This is not, you know, just with men. This is with women as well. Yeah, no, so, for sure. Go ahead. But I, I am hopeful. I will say that in all of this, I am hopeful because I really do think that Gen Z and the next generation that have grown up with all of this technology um, and these these virtual options, that the countercultural thing for them will be in person, will be physical connection. Because I'm here to tell you what, I have teenage daughters and are they online a lot? Yes. But you know what they're still doing? They're still on the phone all the time. They're still texting people. They're still hanging out with people in person. So <laughs> there's hope. <laughs> That's good. Camelia, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? Uh, I'm going to shift gears real quick and say that if you see my Twitter, um, I'm doing you know, like anybody who knows me knows that I could could not care less about Valentine's Day. And if you say anything about Galentine's <laughs> Day, I will mercilessly mock you. <laughs> However, um, the uh, I, I have started a love your government challenge. And what? it's okay. And I'm okay. It's not a cry for help. Yeah, um, but, right. <laughs> but here's the thing. We the people, right? And I, you know I love to hate on my government, but um, the reality is... You know, the reality is, who's the government? The government is you and me. It's those people that we put in there. And oh, my gosh, some of those some of those people are actually my friends. <laughs> so here's my challenge for you. Find an elected official, a legislator could be your legislator. They may be the same person that you disagree with and find something positive about them. Tweet at them, post them better yet bonus points if you handwrite them a letter and send it. Find something you can no, appreciate about God. them and let no, them know God, that. Please, no, we need hell, more no. <laughs> Amelia is a sellout to the establishment. Boo this woman. Well, you know, it wouldn't be the first time I've been called an establishment shill this week. Yeah. <laughs> Amelia, I appreciate you very much. Thank you very much. You are an excellent AI girlfriend and guest. Have a wonderful, have a wonderful day. Amelia Peterson, she rocks. Give us a like and a subscribe. Subscribe to the Wake Up America show. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the show. Congratulations. You made it. You unlocked the bonus content. Yes. This week we're doing Mythbusters. I've produced a little bit of extra special content for you. And each show, if we raise $50 by the end, then you guess what? You get the bonus content. Thanks to Tony Martinez, who put us over the line. Thank you, Tony. We've got a bonus history video for you today, debunking myths of the Great Depression. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. You earned it. Appreciate you very much. About the Great Depression. The Great Depression, often misunderstood, is shrouded in myths, especially regarding its origins and the effectiveness of the New Deal. Progressive narratives hail FDR's New Deal as America's savior, attributing the Great Depression's end to big government interventions. Contrary to popular belief, the Great Depression didn't start with the 1929 stock market crash. Economic decline began earlier, with the Federal Reserve's policies playing a central role. 
The Federal Reserve's massive increase in the money supply, while initially not causing inflation, fueled a stock market bubble that eventually burst, exacerbating the economic downturn. President Hoover is frequently blamed for the Depression due to his supposed laissez-faire approach, yet his interventions, such as the Smoot-Hawley tariff, worsened the situation. Hoover's policies, far from laissez-faire, included measures that inadvertently led to higher unemployment rates, demonstrating a misunderstanding of his economic strategies. Bank failures in the U.S., unlike in Canada, were partly due to regulatory restrictions on nationwide banking, highlighting policy differences rather than inherent bank mismanagement. The New Deal, often credited with ending the Great Depression in reality, did little to solve the crisis, with unemployment and economic output remaining dismal throughout the 1930s. Roosevelt's policies, including the National Industrial Recovery Act, favored larger companies and extended the Depression, challenging the narrative of the New Deal's success. The myth that World War II ended the Great Depression overlooks the temporary nature of wartime employment and the lack of long-term economic improvement. Ludwig von Mises compared wartime prosperity to that brought by disasters, emphasizing the destructive rather than beneficial aspects of such events. Understanding the Great Depression is important so you can challenge common misconceptions from people who blame liberty for the failures of government policy. It's time for a reevaluation of historical narratives and economic policies so we can have smaller government and more freedom. I miss the Trump speeches. Trump gave what I think was probably one of the greatest speeches of world leaders given, you know, it's got to be up there with like Churchill. Gettysburg Address. <laughs> anyway, for real though, it was my favorite speech I've ever seen a president give. It was the night, it was the night the United States killed the leader of ISIS. Trump comes out of the Situation Room at like midnight in the White House and he walks down that fucking tunnel like he's, and gives a press conference like he's giving a post-game NBA <laughs> just killed a guy press conference. He walks up in front of the entire world at midnight and just goes, Abu Bakar. <laughs> Al Baghdadi is dead. He died like a dog. That's all him, dude. I didn't change one word of that. That's what he opened with. And then he did 40 minutes. The speech is 40 minutes. For no reason. It wasn't a prepared speech. He freestyled 40 straight. Not even a speech. Just mean shit talk for 40 The meanest shit talk you've ever heard. In front of the whole world. Abu. We can hear him crying, I said. Abu, don't cry. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Abu cried. He cried quite a bit. I wouldn't have cried. <laughs> cry baby back daddy. That's what we were all calling. <laughs> Look. I love everything about that speech. I love it. I love thinking about Trump in the Situation Room. Surrounded by... Generals watching a live, watching special forces, watching those cocksucking Navy SEALs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Shane Gillis, who was canceled from Saturday Night Live. He was supposed to be a cast member a few years ago, got canceled for some of his, well, more what, not leftist uh, political views or jokes. But jokes, right? They called him a, a misogynist and a homophobe. For some of his jokes, those are usually the funniest jokes. 
Well, now Saturday Night Live wants him back. Yes. Oh, and everybody's freaking out. The left is panicking because Shane Gillis has now been invited to host Saturday Night Live. This might be the only time in my life, in my adult life, that I can say to myself, oh, I actually want to turn on Saturday Night Live. Let's hear Daniela Pensack's view about it. Your next AI girlfriend on Thirsty Thursdays is joining us live in five on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Don't go away. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. How's everybody doing today? 1,500 people, beautiful people watching the Wake Up America show live. Glad to have you here. We'd love to have you come back and join us. This show streams live five days a week. So Monday through Friday, seven to 9 a.m. Central time. You can get your Liberty Freak on. Let your Liberty Freak flag fly. And when you click subscribe, you'll know where to find us right here, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Tomorrow is Freedom Family Friday. So if you want to meet all of the freaks in the Peterson family, Freak of the Week, tomorrow morning, my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife joins us for AI Wifey Bot 2.0. She's going to show you how to program your own AI girlfriend to become a smoking red hot redheaded libertarian wifey right but they come in different models these ai girlfriends right some of them are redheaded but i am told that there are also some very elusive blonde ai girlfriends right you can customize them make them look like marilyn monroe in fact your next ai girlfriend not quite ready to be wifey just yet haven't gotten that programming down is joining us live daniela pensack how you doing daniela Good morning, Austin. Yeah, I still need to get some programming <laughs> improved in my system before I can get to the, the marriage package. But yes, exactly. uh, it's good to be back on the show. Yeah, glad to have you here, Daniela. Uh, we will pay, have the audience pay extra for the marriage package if they want to upgrade. It's expensive. The, it's, <laughs> good to know. How much does a guy need to make to date you, Daniela? Look, I live in Washington State. The average income is 100K here. So six figures, <laughs> six figures. Oh, no, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty flexible. Listen, he's just got to love me. That's all it takes, you know? Okay. Yeah. He's just got to love me. Yeah. There you go. That's how you know that she is an actual AI because no real woman would ever say something like that. Well, I am called the fed almost every other day at this point. So yeah, probably. Daniela, glad to have you here on the show. We love having you on Thursdays at 8 a.m. Central time uh, for your regular appearance. And this week is no different. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen Shane Gillis's Netflix special? What are your thoughts on the guy? I have not seen. To be honest with you guys, I'm not an SNL person. I don't know anything about like comedians. But um, I did look into the story a little bit, and Shane Gillis he did carve out a little bit of a career for himself, even after he got canceled five years ago from S canceled uh, from SNL. Um, he had a, like a YouTube show and a Netflix uh, special, which uh, was fairly successive uh, or successive, successful. Um, and so it does show that people, consumers, they still want good comedy, um, regardless of whatever the mainstream media says, you know, um, consumer demand is that people want what they want. And so clearly SNL um, recognized that and they are bringing him back on the show as a host, of course, not as a cast member, not yet at least. Um, 
Uh, I'm surprised that he is returning back after the way they treated him, but a win is a win. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a big win for free speech advocates. Yeah, but he got canceled from being a cast member of SNL five years ago. He initially got hired and then fired. Why? So he made a few racist jokes um, and he said a few homophobic slurs. Um, I'm not going to say the slurs online. You know, there, I don't know if there's a rules on Rumble, but uh about that, but you can assume what they were. Uh, as far as the racist jokes go, he did make a Chinaman joke. Um, I he tried to sell like a she tried to emulate like an Eastern accent while describing Chinatown. So um, after he said that, uh, they said it was too racist and they booted him off. It's funny how Shane Gillis can't get away with it, but the creators of South Park can do it all day long. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. I don't know exactly why that would be, but I do have a my sneaking suspicion, perhaps, is that Shane Gillis, uh, from my understanding, again, I'm not like a big fan of the guy, but from judging by the clips that you have posted and some of the things I've seen, he has like a more of a right wing um, narrative. So I'm assuming, I don't know if that's right or, or not, but I think perhaps that's the reason why uh, South Park from what i've watched it's has it takes like more of a i mean they make fun of everyone so maybe like in comedy central maybe they have like different rules about you know what can be made fun of and uh I, i'm assuming and SNL, like let's be real snl has kind of tanked um i did used to watch it a little bit back in the day but ever since 2016 and uh since trump ran it just in my opinion it just went down so downhill i don't think like I, do people even watch snl anymore really mm. um I keep you know, I keep hearing everyone makes fun of it. No one watches it, so I certainly don't. Um, but you know, regardless, uh, it will be interesting to see how the episode goes. Uh, it does air on February twenty fourth when he hosts it. My theory on the whole South Park thing and how they've managed to avoid cancellation is that one, they that show existed before cancel culture was really a thing. And and if yeah. you're funny, people will forgive anything. I think that's why Shane Gillis, who got in trouble five years ago and now has blown up and become this huge act that gets booked all across the country. Uh, he's been on every podcast that you can imagine. Uh, he has a successful Netflix show. He's had a successful YouTube show. So when you're successful, just like South Park, money talks. If you're yeah. and this is kind of like this compares to. What I've been talking about with social media canceling so um, um, conservative and libertarian influencers that are up and coming, they they can't cancel Ben Shapiro, they can't cancel Matt Walsh, they can't cancel the big guys because they're rich enough to be able to do what they want and defend for themselves. Even Alex Jones was still able to go out and earn a living until Lawfare finally took him down, and they had to use the legal system to to shut him yeah. up. But even still, he's he's still operating, and now he's back on Twitter. But the way that it works is that if you don't have the money to fight back yet, you've got to kind of pretend like you're something else. You've got to be really careful about you, what you say until you essentially get fuck you money, pardon my language, and, and can fight back against something like this. Shane Gillis, by being outrageously funny, managed to defy the censors at SNL, and now they want him back. I mean, this is kind of a coup. You, like you were saying earlier, this is kind of a big win in the fight against cancel culture, is it not? Of course. And we've been seeing this for the last year, I think, since like the Bud Light thing, um, uh, the Target uh, the Target was being boycotted as well. Uh, I can remember a few things that happened this year where people, consumers are making their voice heard 
about what they want. We've seen uh, sales and stocks drop from Bud Light. Um, we've seen it actually happen. And I've seen, you know, I keep hearing this like, this narrative, especially from younger people, surprisingly, saying like consumer demand makes no difference. Um, elites will always win. But that's, you know, I haven't this year, I think, has been the strongest indicator of that not being true. Um, of course, it takes a great amount of people to get on board with it, but it's happening. And here is just yet another win uh, for you libertarians, uh, conservatives, whatever you want to label it as. But I say common sense because like comedy is comedy. Uh, free speech is free speech, right? I'm a free speech absolutist. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of, you know, your average Americans are because at the end of the day, like it's just it was just a, like. It was just a Chinaman joke. I, I really don't see like what the harm, what the like the the long term harm harm was. Um, people can tell that this is unfair, and clearly, um, whoever is running this like mainstream narrative about like muzzling people and what they can say is people are sick of it, and it's clear. Like I said, he did have that su successful Netflix show. He did have the uh, successful YouTube show. Uh, it showed that regardless of what happened to him, people still want genuine comedy and they don't want the garbage slop that's being promoted on you know on mainstream comedy mainstream television um uh, because they want the real deal and so you're right uh they you know he called their bluff snl saw it they want him back on they just want money at the end of the day that's what it comes down to and hopefully if this happens long enough and for quite a number of a few number of years maybe it will shift um some of like this woke narrative that's being pushed i'm not too optimistic about it but um like i've said in the past year we have seen changes so hopefully they'll get the message now, i don't know we'll is, see this is kind of a big question but you know you've got a big brain you got a master's degree you've been working in politics for a number of years um this big question is why do you think cancel culture exists why is there <laughs> this desire to try and silence voices that go against the narrative. Where is this coming from, in your opinion? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's a long time coming. We did see the political correctness culture happen ever since like the 90s. Uh, it's just been getting worse and worse. Um, there is a great deal of safetyism that is being pushed everywhere in media, in um, any like professional circles, in education there especially in education um where but what i mean by safetyism is like this need to coddle everyone and everything you cannot say certain things to offend um especially marginalized communities populations um uh, whether that's minorities or women um and a lot of this is promoted by i would say a more feminine approach to culture uh you know people just want to nurture other people and not say the truth um that's safetyism and i think that has been uh, in large part, it is being orchestrated um, because, like I said, I don't think your average American really cares about that. I do think in large part it is orchestrated, but it is also the gener the newer generations, the millennial generation especially, I think that has promoted this culture. Um, and I think with Gen Z uh, and Gen Alpha, maybe that will change because, you know, the woke, woke culture just sucks. It's stale. No, no one can have any fun. I think it will change over time. It may take like another decade or so. Um, I think it really has spiked it, since like, especially since 2016. I don't know if it's because I've just been more aware of like political culture in 2016, because that's like when I first got more involved in the political scene when I was in college. But uh, I've just noticed there has been a large shift on censorship during that time.
largely because of Trump's run. Um, we did see a surge of like conservative speakers on college campuses. So the left really, you know, tried to combat that. But I think people are getting sick of it and they're seeing through the veneer of this, the safetyism. Daniela, when you talk about like the feminization of col- of culture and uh, safetyism, what does the <laughs> what does a return to the other side like how, if we are moving away from that? Let's say that the opposite of that is more masculinization, right, and less mm-hmm. safetyism. What does that look like in reality? What I mean, other than just telling people, well, just stop getting your feelings hurt all the time. I mean, there have to be actual steps taken to make this cultural shift happen. What does that look like? Yeah, you know, I it, it it's interesting. That's a really good question. Um, I. I think that and I don't have like any straight answer for this, but I do believe that protecting certain principles that I think do shape American culture um, and American values and principles, such as promoting free speech. Look, it's in the First Amendment. We should protect it. And by protecting it, not just legally, but culturally as well. And, you know, if they can't get it, if they can't attack it legally, which they still try to, um, they will do it culturally. They will attack it culturally. They will try to suppress it. So one step closer to that, I think, is um, protecting free speech. And that includes everything, um, you know, including comedy, <clears throat> protecting it, but also practicing it. And, uh, you know, doing that is kind of scary. People don't want to lose their jobs. We have seen, especially in the last decade or two people lose their jobs even just saying things on twitter you know it is scary so i don't exactly know how we're going to make that step especially people that are trying to carve a professional life or you know and be successful um but the collective obviously if people do it collectively change will happen like i've mentioned this guy's back on snl because people collectively have just uh voted by viewership um it it does like i said it's going to be more of a culture generational shift i think the more people are beaten over the head with this woke narrative and this suppression i think they're going to get sick of it um i am seeing it happen more and more especially with young people in the right wing um you know so elon musk taking over twitter yeah say what you want about that there have been a lot of problems but i think that was also like a step towards the right direction at least um like things like that you know it's going to be it's going to be little things accumulating over time that i i don't know of any like step-by-step process but i think the first thing towards that is at least becoming free speech absolutist protecting the first amendment you know even to make uh chinese china man jokes and to exactly. you know to, to to say the f word uh, you know in regards to homosexual people and still be able to do your job as a comedian uh, it, you know, comedians, I think we we lift them up in our society right now because in some ways, other than like this incident with Shane Gillis, they really are the only people who are still sort of saying to an extent what people are thinking or what they are believe what they believe that who have the freedom of speech to an extent to say the things that we all want to talk about or we all want to hear because we certainly can't talk about them at our offices in our workplaces. We can't uh, we can't talk about these things in the gym. Can't even talk about them in the locker room anymore with with your fellow men, because you've got other men who are rats who are more than happy to throw you under the bus for things that you said. Right. So there's always this constant danger that everybody lives in lives under now. I mean, you unfortunately didn't get to experience what life was like in the 1980s when I was a kid. People said whatever shit they wanted. They said retard. They said the F word. I mean, they, they said the N word, not even like to be not even to be mean or to be racist. They would just say it because people are in, in you know, rap songs and popular culture were saying it sure. and they didn't get their ass kicked and, and they didn't lose their jobs. 
I would argue in some ways it was a better place, even though some people got their feelings hurt. But now, like you said, we've gotten to this hyper-feminization of society and we have these values that are anti-free speech. Defending free speech absolutism is definitely part of it. Um, And I kind of want to like throw this challenge to you for this one last part before we let you go. But I had this um, very traditional young conservative uh, man on my show. His name's Vince Dow. Um, and, and I like him, right? We agree on a lot of things. I'm not a social conservative and he is, right? So his argument was that <clears throat> when, when we, when, when we demarginalized or we sort of mainstreamed LGBT, um, that we've had all these negative, negative secondary consequences in society that the transgenderism and the grooming and all of the, ne- you know, the, the pride parades and kink and public, this has been the result of, um, mainstreaming LGBT culture. So even if he's right, let's say that he's right. My question to him was, how do we remarginalize the gays? Not an easy question, right? How do you answer something like that? How do you remarginalize a group of people that had been marginalized to the point before? So now I pose this question to you, but in a different way. If we have feminized society, if we have taken women out of traditional roles, and put them in into a scenario where they're in competition with men, where men are seeking out AI girlfriends and robots instead of actual relationships, where the, the, the topic we talked about last week, Daniela, the political philosophies of young men and young women are now at a starker difference than mm-hmm. they've been like in you know, over 40 years. How do you remarginalize the women's? How do you how do put... How do you, I mean, without, because society sure as hell is not going to be lifting up young men or lifting up boys or idolizing masculinity anytime in the near future, right? They're not going to look at Shane Gillis and say, okay, we were wrong. And all of a sudden people like Shane Gillis are the, are the leaders and things like that. I mean, women like yourself are still going to go get advanced degrees, get into the workplace, compete with men, but you're still going to want to date men who are as educated or as, you know, and in your scenario and up, as you've talked about on this show before, do you remarginalize women or do you lift, start lifting up men in other ways and start to praise and lionize masculine virtues? Because both of those scenarios seems to be pretty damn, um, re- you know, unrealistic, unre- at least as our cur- culture currently is. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think so. Um, I think I get what you're saying. I, you know, I don't think women are impervious to expressing masculine virtues or um, American virtues in in traditional American culture. I think I'm an example of that, Uh, whether or not that's exceptional. I I think that is quite possible. Uh, They just have to be raised and exposed to certain environments. Um, I may have a little bit of an esoteric view on this, but I think that uh, masculine virtues are the universal or ideal virtue. So I think if we culturally promote those and if women are exposed to that early in life, um, they are going to adopt that, you know, regardless. And um, by virtue of doing that, uh, what you may see naturally is that less women may get into education and professional fields because I think, I personally think um, women are more like naturally inclined to be less ambitious um, on average, not all. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the individual should strive with the individual spirit wants, um, regardless of what the what the collective is. But uh, obviously. Um, but, you know, I think that if there's a cultural shift towards expressing more masculine virtues, not obviously like I'm not. uh 
regardless of my personal views, I don't think we need to implement policy that enforces social conservative, uh, like socially conservative ideals. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, we should promote the individual and we should facilitate whatever indiv the individual wants to accomplish. But however, culturally, I think we do need to make a shift towards that, um, towards expressing and um, buttressing uh, masculine masculine virtues and masculine ideals, because at the end of the day, I think that would be more successful for the nation personally. Um, so what you'll like I mentioned, what you'll see is a shift for women getting more out of those male oriented career fields, because a lot of it, I mean, let's be real, a, a lot of, especially in education, you see um, them giving like women only scholarships, they're, you know, STEM majors for women. Um, they're promoting this. They're, they're, they're clearly engineering women getting into certain fields or certain uh, practices that are traditionally male oriented. And, you know, that may be all well and good. I'm all for all giving opportunities, but at the same time, we shouldn't engineer it, you know, and try to, um, they're not forcing women, but they definitely are pushing them into areas where they may not naturally want or be individually be inclined to want in the first place, if that makes sense. It's um, a great answer, Danielle. And, and I think that there are probably very few people who could have answered that quite that difficult question as well as you have daniella that's why we definitely love having you back here on the show every thursday in our regular spot is there anything else that you'd like to share or plug with our listeners before we let you go today um i will say you know regardless of what austin said i am not an ai i am a human <laughs> so flesh and blood so uh, fellow humans, um, only humans, please, please follow me on Twitter at Pensac Daniela. No bots are allowed at Pensac Daniela is my Twitter handle. And if you want to see more pictures of me, official Daniela Pensac on Instagram and the same name, official Daniela Pensac on TikTok. I'm posting there again tentatively. I will be banned one day. Almost have 10,000 followers, but I'm trying to reach that before I get banned. So follow me on TikTok as well. <laughs> um we appreciate that very much. Uh, Daniela Pensack joins us here every Thursday at 8 a.m. Central on the Wake Up America show. Daniela, great answers. And uh, as uh, Tolly was saying this morning, uh, she loves the black turtleneck sweater. A little change in the outfit this week. Very nice. Yeah, I know, right? Thank you <laughs> Th so much. I thanks to thank you, Daniela. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you next week. See, see you next week. What do you guys think of Daniela Pensack? We had a great show today, wouldn't you say? I feels like we really absolutely killed it. I feel like we made a lot of new friends, people like Texbrocali02 and Delinius and Torvarin joining us here, what I think might be the very first time today. J6477. Definitely a lot of new names and faces this morning on the show, and it's because I know Rumble.com featured us on the front page. And thanks to them, we get introduced to new people like yourself. So for those of you of the 1,400 who are watching us live right now and haven't heard or seen this show before, just think those interviews that you got, the conversations and the topics and the content that you're seeing and hearing right here, you can't get it anywhere else, at least not at 7 to 9 a.m. Central every Monday through Friday. So do me a favor, click that like button and subscribe to the channel. That way you can come back and join us five days a week. Tomorrow is Freedom Family Friday, so you get an extra special show. I introduce you to my lovely, smoking hot, red-headed libertarian wife who will join us tomorrow morning, and my sweet brother, Justin Peterson, who will be joining us live from Boston. Wilkos says, great show today. Good. Thank you very much. Andy Opperman says, here's to Rumble for standing in the gap after the betrayal of YouTube. Yeah, we got uh, demonetized on YouTube at the end of last year, which is why Rumble has stepped up, which is why 
the 1,400 of you who are watching us live right now are here because Rumble has decided to feature us and to help us to support our small business. This show, the Wake Up America show, is a product of the hopes and dreams of me and my sweet little pregnant wife, <laughs> Stephanie, who is uh, going to be having a baby five months from now. We're very excited about that, our first child. And, um, and uh, we're hoping that this business will be successful because of this podcast. So if you want to help a small business that's American-based and believes in freedom, um, click like, subscribe to the channel, and come back and join us on the regular. If you'd like to get a little bit more involved and you'd like to find out what we're doing to help support this freedom venture, check out my website, apforlibertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, apforlibertyshop.com. We started a coffee business called Founding Flavors. And this here is our, um, in my hands, Adams's Patriotic Perk. We've got a whole line of delicious coffees. Jeffrey ZZZ joining us for the very first time today. What's up, Jeffrey? Hope you'll come back, brother. We'd love to meet you and make friends and have you come back on the regs. Check out apforlibertyshop.com. Not only do we have delicious coffees, of which our brand new flavor, Mattistonian Morning. If you're a, ca a caffeine addict like me, the light roast is the way to go because turns out that the less that they roast the beans, the more caffeine. So light roasts give you heavier caffeine dose. Madisonian Morning is a five-star delicious coffee. We just dropped it yesterday. Check it out at ap4libertyshop.com. If you look at the price and you're like, well, geez, that seems expensive for 12 ounces, compare us to other people that you can buy from online. Once you do shipping and taxes, we actually end up coming in a little bit less than our competitors. So once you see that price, that's shipping included. So all of our products at apforlibertyshop.com are shipping free to the USA. So if you live overseas, unfortunately, you have to pay um, shipping. Javier Malay, are you a fan of Argentina's Javier Malay? Well, guess what? We basically have all of the best Javier Malay merchandise in the world. You can celebrate Javier Malay. Get yourself an Afuera hoodie as well at ap4libertyshop.com. We've got cool Don't Tread on Me merch, lots of kids stuff. We call it our Tiny Patriots collection and our awesome patriotic custom metal signs. You can get an awesome sign for your barn or for your bar in your house. Customize it to your own desires. Click personalize, choose the color that you want for your sign, choose the size that you want, and then customize it for yourself. Austin Peterson, that's my name right there. Click next, right? And then of course the computer's gonna choose this moment to freeze while I'm trying to give you a little demonstration. Anyways, you know how I'd be. Go to ap4libertyshop.com, that's AP, the number four. Go shopping right now, get yourself something nice. All right, and we'll see you tomorrow morning on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. of time, a year might seem like a 